hey, it's PF. Uh, well, if you're hearing me at the beginning of this and not uh, a liner provided by one of our previous guests, that can only mean one thing. And yes, that means it is encore presentation time. Uh, went a long time without having to do one of these, but um, the week just really got away from me last week, which is a good thing. Uh, it's good to be busy than to be not busy. But um, I was going through some of the old episodes and, uh, you know, I've been pulling some of these uh, from like the first hundred episodes because if you listen to this in iTunes or Apple Podcasts, which I believe most of you do, as I've said before, you can only go back 300 episodes and then it stops. And I don't want to like, you know, up the limit to 500 through Podbean because then it'll, I'm afraid it'll dump a whole bunch of uh, stuff into your iTunes if you still use that. So I don't, know, maybe, I don't even know if you can update it to 500. But anyway, um, what I also uh, realized when I was going through this is that I forgot that the uh, even if you go all, all the way back in Podbean, the first episode that comes up is actually episode 9, I think, with Jimmy Pardo. And so episodes one through eight aren't really available anywhere. And so we've played episode one, which was the first episode ever with Mike Lucas. So I figured, well, let's go back and visit the lost episodes. I, I don't even remember what they were. I'd actually bring up the actual file and listen to them and see who the guests were. And I wrote them all down. And episode two is a lot of fun. And uh, it's uh, the interview I did with Paul Humphreys from Orchestra Maneuvers in the Dark, uh, my favorite band or my second favorite band, depending how you look at it. So uh, I'm going to replay that episode in its, in its entirety from 2011. Interviewed Paul in Chicago. Uh, let me see. You know what? Is that in Chicago? Yeah, it was in Chicago. Can't remember what the name of the hotel was. Um, but yeah, uh, interviewed Paul Humphreys, and uh, well, you'll listen to whatever silliness was going on back in 2011. And on the other side of that, you'll get a brand new song of the week from The Killers, appropriate because what do we always say? Uh, the big debate is what is PF's third favorite band? It may be The Killers. My wife thinks it's The Killers. So we'll get our song of the week from uh, The Killers. So here we go. Here's uh, episode two, the second episode ever of PF's Tape Recorder. Enjoy. PF's tape recorder. I'm PF. This is my tape recorder. Uh, we're going to call this episode, I think, uh, self-indulgence um, a little bit, if we were titling, and we might call it that. Uh, coming up, my daughter Lizzie interviews Justin Bieber. Paul Humphreys of Orchestral Maneuvers in the Dark discusses that band's past and future. But, you know, we've still got plenty to say, that's the thing. Uh, I think towards the end of the 80s, we ran out of things to say. And we also have a song from comedian Mike Travers from Pittsburgh, PA. But first, some fake news. And now it's time for fake news with me. Nintendo has dropped plans to introduce a phone to compete with the iPhone and Android. A spokesman for Nintendo said the engineers were having trouble getting the phone to jump on turtle shells, shoot fire and ice, and to be able to text anyone except for Luigi. Prince William is nervous as his wedding day approaches at the end of April. Buckingham Palace, however, is much more relaxed after Prince Andrew dropped plans to organize his nephew's bachelor party. America is still in shock after Pia Toscano was voted off American Idol last week. Producers trying to quell the firestorm by having another surprise celebrity guest on the program will welcome former President Jimmy Carter, who will oversee the voting process, through the end of the season. A toddler in suburban Detroit had to be hospitalized after a server at an Applebee's restaurant accidentally gave him alcohol in his kid's meal cup. 
The boy's mother became suspicious when her son began staring blankly at the wall, kept putting his head on the table, and then suddenly said, This food is really great! He said lines came mostly from uh, CNN.com, uh, where a pop-up ad asks, Who's on Piers Morgan tonight? While the rest of America asks, Who is Piers Morgan? Oh yeah, the guy from the talent show nobody watches. Okay. Walmart, stung by an embarrassingly long sales slump, is finally ready to do something about it. This past Monday, Walmart announced it is bringing back thousands of products that were unceremoniously dumped from stores and says it is ready to roll up its sleeves to win the lowest price battle with its rivals. Company officials are happy to report, though, that Walmart, paying $9.68 an hour on average versus $12.28 at Costco, continues to win the low-wage battle. Sport! That's how they do it in Britain. They just say sport. Baseball is underway, and as usual, starting in late March in cold-weather cities, cause some problems. Cleveland grounds crews had to shovel snow off of the field at the Indian Stadium, but the players adjusted with few problems. Indian starter Fausto Carmona used his sinker, his fastball, and his snowball against the White Sox in a losing effort. Fausto Carmona, the Indians' ace of... I, I love saying his uh, name the way Tom Hamilton, the Indians' play-by-play man, says it. Fausto Carmona! Ask now, ask how, ask Sherwin-Williams, tribe fans! Okay, free plug for Sherwin-Williams. Uh, Detroit Pistons sold to billionaire. Really? They weren't sold to a guy down the street? They were sold to a billionaire? That was a headline on, uh, I think, SI.com. And finally, in sport, uh, a man is facing charges after being escorted from the stands of PNC Park in Pittsburgh during last Saturday night's Pittsburgh Pirates baseball game. The incident involved police and a taser and is under investigation by authorities. It was caught on tape and posted to YouTube where it has been seen so far by just over 300 people. Ironically, that was the announced attendance at that game in Pittsburgh. And that's fake news for this podcast. Good evening. I debated about doing this next bit uh, because it seemed a little self-indulgent. But um, I, it th- I thought it was funny. It was honestly funny, and let me explain why. Uh, very briefly, iTunes has this application, apparently, you can download, and it has Justin Bieber's voice on it, and he's just saying certain things. And um, I don't know if you saw years ago, this is a very common comedy premise. And in fact, you might have seen it in Good Morning uh, Vietnam, the movie with Robin Williams, where they took the Richard Nixon interview and cut it up and then asked these absurd questions to his real answers. And people have done this over the years. Well... My seven-year-old has never seen this before, and she was playing with the video camera and her eye touch that her cousin had given her because it's got a, a cracked face on it, so uh, she just gave it to her. And uh, she would ask questions and then play the answers off of her eye touch, and some of them were pretty hilarious. So uh, the audio quality on that was kind of crappy, so I just had to recreate uh, what she did up here for just a couple of the questions, just to give you guys an idea. And it's uh, very brief, and it's kind of hilarious, and I uh, hope you enjoy it. Hi, this is Liz and Emma. I'm going to be interviewing Justin Bieber. First question, does your mom do your hair? Actually, I, do, I style my own hair. I just do it this. It goes right there. Not at all. No product at all on this. No product at all. Are you a Canadian? I'm a beast. Will you call my friend? Call all my friends and say I just talked to you? Yes, I will. Thanks for, thanks for doing this interview. It was fun, right? Yeah. Continuing with the self-indulgent theme of this episode of PF Tape Recorder, I'm going to play an interview uh, now 
with Paul Humphreys of the band Orchestral Maneuvers in the Dark. Now, of course, this is supposed to be a mostly comedy podcast, and you're probably asking yourself, what's so funny about an interview with Paul Humphreys of Orchestral Maneuvers in the Dark? Well, what's funny about it is what a nerd I am for 80s music, and particularly Orchestral Maneuvers in the Dark, otherwise known as OMD. Brief history, the group was formed in 1979 in Liverpool by Paul Humphreys and Andy McCluskey. Uh, They've been helped out over the years largely by uh, two more musicians, drummer Malcolm Holmes and multi-instrumentalist Martin Cooper. The band decided to part ways in 1989. Uh, Andy went off and carried on under OMD, and Paul and the other two musicians, Martin and Mal, formed The Listening Pool, and they made an album together, which was a, a very nice record. And then in 1996, after three albums, Andy decided just to close up the OMD tent completely. Uh, At the time in England and really around the world, girl groups and guitar rock seemed to be much more popular than synth pop. Then in 2007, at the behest of German television, the two were asked to perform, and they did. They brought along Martin and Mal. They had so much fun, they decided, hey, let's tour Europe together. And they did that, and they had so much fun doing that, they decided to make a new album. Now... I am a fan also of groups like Depeche Mode and New Order, but to be quite honest, those groups haven't made a proper record since probably about the early 1990s, maybe even the late 80s. And uh, OMD, with Andy by himself and uh, Paul and the and Martin and Mal and Listening Pool, still made some pretty nice records. So it was a little bit of hopefulness. I, look, I looked forward to the release of The History of Modern last year, which is the new OMD album, and the album is fantastic. Uh, So I drove all the way to Chicago to see them back in March. It was a a five-and-a-half-hour drive. My family made fun of me the whole way. And I got to interview Paul Humphreys uh, in the lobby of their hotel there in Chicago. Uh, We discuss the the new album. We discuss uh, days gone by, as it were. And uh, I'll give you a brief review of the show after the interview. Uh, I start the interview with a little bit of of street talk on the streets of Chicago, uh, I, uh, an idea I borrowed from somebody. You'll, you'll hear me discuss that in a second. But uh, here's the interview with Paul Humphreys. So I ripped this idea off from Mark Marin. He, uh, when he was on his way to uh, interview Ira Glass in New York City, a lot of people talking to themselves here in Chicago. That's a big thing here. Anyway, when uh, Marin was on his way to interview Ira Glass in New York, he did a little street recording uh, on his way to Ira's studio there in Manhattan. So I figured I'd do a little bit of a street recording here on the way to interview Paul Humphreys of Orchestral Maneuvers in the Dark. Uh, I'm heading up to the Ambassador Hotel. Uh, I'm walking up State Street, just ate at the McDonald's at Chicago. Chicago and State, and uh, got some nice hot coffee, and uh, I actually, even holding this recorder, I'm now also one of those weirdos we've seen uh, walking around talking to himself, so I'm going to go ahead and turn this off, and then uh, I'll pick it up when I get to the hotel and I'm talking to Paul Humphreys. Okay, so we are here with Paul Humphreys now. I uh, did a little street recording on the way up here. <laughs> on the way. And, uh, okay, well, geez, you know, where to start? First of all, the new album is fantastic. Thank you very much. Yeah. Um, you know, so often a lot of groups, you know, from the day come out with new albums, especially after such a long time off. And, yeah. And, and, you know, yeah, not so much. I know. And, uh, well, we were aware of this. We were acutely aware of this, actually. And so um, we didn't make a big announcement that we were going back into the studio. Yeah, yeah. No, we because kinda... we, we thought we'd just, you know, test the water and see if we, you know, see how it went, really. But, um, yeah, I, I think what, was, what worked in our favor was the fact that even though Andy and I stopped writing in the voice of OMD... We continued writing separately and did... We, we've always been writing. We yeah. never stopped writing. Right. So in terms of 
as, as being a song as songwriters, we were totally up to speed because we'd just been constantly working, you know. And we've had we've got two studios: there's a studio in Liverpool, Andy's got, and I've got a studio in London, and they're both top of the line modern studios. So we had all the technology available to us. So it was quite easy, really, to go back. And, and, and work with Andy again. Um, we did because of the geographical problems. Yeah, Andy, I was going to say it was. We, we thought we'd be incredibly modern because we had the same system. Yeah. We thought, oh, we just we just send huge files on the internet right. and we just play our things and write you know, bat it backwards and forwards. But it, it you know, we wrote three songs in a year that way. And yeah. it <laughs> because it, I, I, we we realised actually that the the spark of OMD was me and Andy in a room together yeah someone we walk in the morning walk in the morning we chuck an idea into the room and then we just bat it between each other until till it becomes something you know but and uh, but you know working in Liverpool and London at the same yeah. time you don't have that kind of rapport you know because uh, when we realised that that was definitely the right way to work was I went up to Liverpool and thought we'd, I'd work for a week in the studio with Andy and I brought an idea into the room Andy had an idea and it was it ended up being new holy ground and, but we did it in three hours from beginning to end. Oh, wow. Whole song. <laughs> it's like the old days. Again. So it was like, okay, this is the way we need to work from now on. Yeah. So okay. Yeah, I was wondering about that, with the, the different geographical locations. Yeah. You but, you know, we've still got plenty to say, that's the thing. Yeah. You know. Yeah. We've still got interesting subjects. I mean, uh, I think towards the end of the 80s, we ran out of things to say because we didn't experience any life. We were just uh, constantly touring, constantly touring, and getting on each other's nerves, getting <laughs> each other absolutely crazy, you know. And uh, and we weren't experiencing anything personally. You yeah, know? it was just all about tour buses and backstage uh, areas, and you know, we ran out of things to say, you know. Yeah. But but because we had such a layoff from OMD, we 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 came with a new energy and a whole a huge amount of ideas. So. So when you were in the listening pool, which also, that was a great record. Oh, thank you. And he was talking to Mark out there, and uh, he, he said he can't even find it, though. It's kind of hard to... It's really hard to find. Well, we're talking about re-releasing it, actually. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, was that a different sort of songwriting feel with Martin Mal? And yeah, well, I didn't... Did it feel weird with Andy not being there, or was it just kind of like... Yeah, I mean, I didn't leave OMD to do the listening pool. We right. Just, we, yeah, it just it, happened that it, way. It just kind of happened. We had yeah. a bunch of songs that we'd written, because, you know, Martin and I had done some writing before. I mean, Martin was a writer on... Uh, he co-wrote Souvenir with me. And talking loud and clear, so in love. Yeah, you know he was—he's always been a writer, so it wasn't too difficult to work with Martin. Okay, and Mal has always contributed anyway in a lot of the rhythm ideas for OMD. So, so it wasn't—it wasn't a big leap really. But uh, yeah, that was a nice album actually. Yeah, yeah I love Oil for the Lamp to China. I love that tune. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's a nice track. Right? Um, so when you're writing with the one two, is it a different thing altogether doing that? Yeah, I, d- I, I love writing with Claudia actually because she's such. Um, She's just—it's kind of like working. My relationship with Claudia is quite similar with as my working relationship with Andy, actually, because we both bring different things to the table. You know, I'm more of the musician in the band. I do a lot of the music. Yeah. Andy's more the conceptualist, lyric writer, and um, and with one two, it's the same, really. Okay. Claudia's a great melody writer, and she's a great. She has great concepts and of subject matter and stuff. So, uh, so it, it kind of worked worked quite similar. Yeah. Yeah, I'm very proud of the one too, album, actually. It's a nice record. Yeah. So is, uh, now is OMD, is this, uh, I still haven't gotten clarity on this. Is this still going to be going forward now? You guys still have, I, I know Andy, I read in another interview, said he's working on a song called Atomic Ranch. Yeah. Yeah. We've got, we've already, um, uh, we've, we've already got plans for the next album. Andy and I have. Oh, good. Have, yeah. Wow. We've already got, uh, a whole, um, a 
whole uh, uh, load of ideas and even the album title. Oh, wow. <laughs> is that under wraps or is it's that under wraps? No, I'm not going to get that out of you. All right. Well, what's been the biggest difference, you think, between the heyday of OMD and now in the business? I know we were talking with your tour manager about how, you know, you really can't make a lot of money downloading songs for 99 cents. you got to do yeah. other things. To get uh, if people pay 99 cents. Yeah, yeah. Feel, I mean, I, I had an industry uh, uh, flyer magazine sent to my house before I left for this tour, and uh, there's an article in there saying that 90% of music coming from the Internet is not paid for. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, the Internet has been both a blessing and a curse, really, at yeah. the same time. You know, I mean, it's, it's a fantastic marketing tool. It enables you to get to people... Uh, otherwise you may not have or may, may have been harder to use other other you know like press and, and radio and stuff which is can be pretty locked up you know it enables you to, to, to kind of gain access to lots of people and it also enables lots of people to gain access to music which perhaps they would never have heard before which is great um, but but this whole sort of no money changing hands link <laughs> makes it difficult for musicians to, to make any money you know I mean Andy and I were fortunate the fact that we've made a lot of money in our because records sold by the middle right, right. so well, once, once they figure out they needed to pay you <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah exactly how great with that phone call on it. <laughs> or it, were you guys together on that? Because Andy told me by, before he did sugar tour on, on the sugar tax tour, he said uh, he told me that he, they just you guys decided to do an audit. Yeah, just because you couldn't believe that you didn't make any money after all these records, exactly. and they're oh yeah, we owe you millions of dollars. Right? <laughs> exactly. How <laughs> great, oops. Yeah. <laughs> How great was that phone call? Oh, that was fantastic. Yeah, because yeah. uh, we finally kind of made the money that we should have. Yeah, know. yeah. Well, that was cool. Even though you guys couldn't afford the state-of-the-art equipment at the beginning, you yeah. guys were always very forward-thinking. I remember seeing an interview with you where you said you made those drumsticks like you saw Kraftwerk use. Yeah, well, you, well, you see, Andy and I come from very working-class families. Yeah. We, none of our, neither of our families had any money. Yeah. You know, I was, uh, my hobby was electronics. Okay. So, from being a very young child, I used to make loads yeah. of crazy okay. things. You know? <laughs> and, uh, and so, because you know, we decided at some point that we wanted to be Kraftwerk. You know, we were just kids for 15 years. Yeah, you know, yeah. We, we heard Kraftwerk, we thought Kraftwerk is the future. We want to be Kraftwerk. But um, I guess it was kind of fortunate that we didn't have all that technology because I think we would have just emulated Kraftwerk. Yeah. But, and just sounded like Kraftwerk. Well, there's no point in sounding like Kraftwerk because Kraftwerk sounds like Kraftwerk. Yeah, so, yeah. So I think the fact that we had to sort of beg, borrow, and steal and make stuff created a whole different palette of sounds for us to to, to, to create our music from which made it uniquely OMD yeah. do you think that kind of uh, mindset going into it has kind of helped you here at, sort of at the back end of it you know, in 2011, you know, yeah, really so. adapted the industry changes. And like you're saying, being able to write across the internet, or maybe that wouldn't, you know, work for maybe a guitar band from that era. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah, well, yeah, we've always been, you know, forward thinking. We've always seen the sort of electronic music to be the future. I mean, that's how we started out. Like, yeah, music is the future. And then we hit the 90s and, and, and Britpop and, and all the sort of... Manchester and Seattle. Yeah, and yeah. the sort of monobrow... Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> bands, you know, from Manchester, all came on the scene. And it was like, all of a sudden, electronic music wasn't the future. It was the past. And the future was music influenced by the 60s. And it's like, what's going on? You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's when we sort of 
put a full stop to OMD for a bit. Yeah. Um, I relate a funny story to you here because it seems to be a good point to do it. I interviewed Chris Lowe of Pet Shop Boys last year. All right. Yeah, and uh, I related the story Andy had told me that the reason he suspended OMD in 95 or whatever it was, he was in a record shop in, Louis- in uh, Liverpool and saw an erasure CD. And not to pick on erasure, but he looked, picked it up and goes, geez, do I really need another erasure CD? And then he thought, wow, what do people think this about OMD? And that's the point he thought maybe I should move on to other things. Yeah. 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 Well, I told the asset to Chris Lowe and asked him if they ever felt that way. And he said, oh, no, no, we've always been, you know, always gone on and done our own thing. But then he said at the end, he goes, Dan, Andy's wrong. The world does need more OMD records. <laughs> Is that what he said? Yeah, oh, yeah. That's cool thing. Yeah, so I thought I'd pass that along to <laughs> you. Yeah. So, um, so will you be doing any more with, with the one, two, or when you get back to England, do you have, what, what are the plans? Uh, well, we've, I, Claudia and I have already done half a new album. Oh, okay. So we're going to be continuing that when I get back. And also, I'm just going to be jumping between doing a new album with Andy and, uh, and one, two. But we've also got lots of OMD commitments because we're doing um, loads of festivals in the summer throughout okay. Britain and Europe. So uh, we've got a kind of a packed summer of, of shows. Oh, South by Southwest. Oh, yeah. You guys are doing that. It just says Paul and Andy. Is or Martin Mal not going to be here? Are these going to be no, more small it, it seems to be lots of shows being added. I think we're actually doing four, thing, four okay. performances at South by Southwest. And I think two of them are full band. Okay. Uh, and two of them are duo, me and Andy. Okay. So, because we do, because we've been doing that throughout Europe, actually, before before we did the full band, you know, mega production show, uh, Andy and I went out playing record stores as, as a duo. Oh, okay. <laughs> what was the instrumentation like? It was just... Uh, well, it was kind of like Back to Our Roots. We started that way. Yeah. We used to have me and Andy, Andy played bass, me, me on keys, and then anything we couldn't play was on the tape machine. machine. But now we have a laptop to replace Winston. Ah, okay. <laughs> okay. Okay, cool. All the drum tracks are on my laptop, and then okay. we play along to them. So. I saw on the BBC, um, they did this show on Breakfast TV where they talk about great songs, and Andy was talking about an old gay. And oh, you and Dad were on that too, because you played the original organ. Did you guys have to go back and buy all that stuff again, or was that still yeah, somewhere? Yeah, funny story actually, because no, uh, most of the stuff, nearly all the stuff, had all blown up or, or we'd fallen apart, or yeah. fallen apart, or rusted, or <laughs> or we'd lost. So, so yeah, we uh, we were um, we were on the internet every on the eBay every night trying to find uh, out any and, and there was there was one instance where Andy and I it, we didn't realise that we were bidding against <laughs> each other <laughs> to buy the same synth. We could have bought it for an awful lot cheaper, but uh, we said, no, I'm having it. Each each other. He's in Liverpool going, no, I'm having it. <laughs> That's funny. Wow. And uh, they showed your uh, old house on uh, that show. All right. Yeah, they showed your front room, I guess, or the back room. The back room where we wrote all the songs. Yeah, 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 my mum's old back room. Yeah. Yeah, So, um, rehearsal space. For that time period, what was, like, the best memory of OMD for you? I think I think that all the best memories of OMD, and I think Andy would agree, would be the first time we did anything. You know, like the first time we did a show in Europe, you know, the first time we did Top of the Pops. Ah, yeah. The first time we played the Liverpool Empire in Liverpool where we'd seen bands as kids and all of a sudden we were on that stage, you know. Um, the first time we went top five in ah, England yeah. or first, first number one we had in Germany or, you know, all those firsts yeah. are, are the things you really remember. You know. Cool. And what are you looking forward to now is in, at this stage of the band? Um, well, we're just... I mean, I think we're older, wiser, calmer. <laughs> so I think we we enjoy every every moment because we're not doing it for nine months of the year touring yeah. anymore. We're doing it for three and four months a year, and that's a lot easier, you know, because we're old men now. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you're only you're my brother's age. You're fifty. Uh, uh, fifty-one. Okay, my brother just turned fifty. So yeah, I'm so forty-four. 
Oh, right, at least 45, yeah. Uh, is it, I mean, probably a little less stress on you and, and even Martin Mal because you guys have to move around as much. But is it a lot of stress on Andy that he's got to be bopping around? Because he's still, yeah, well, he's still bopping around up there. Listen, he's had, he's had two surgeries on his left knee and one surgery on his right oh, wow. knee. And, uh, <laughs> and he takes lots of medication to keep them going. Oh, you know? man. So, yeah, we're not as young as we used to be. But we all seem to defy our years when we get up on that stage, you know. And I, I think in some ways it's... In some ways, we're a better live band than we ever were because, um, A, you know, we were never great players. It was yeah. all about write the songwriting. It was yeah, never yeah. about the, you know, musical proficiency of, our, of, of yeah. ourselves. But by default, after playing for 33 years, we've all become really good musicians. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and also, the technology we take on stage is incredibly reliable because it's top of the Oh, line. yeah, yeah. It's like and it's like so breakdownable. We don't walk on stage going, oh, I hope my synths <laughs> work tonight. It's <laughs> funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me go grab Mark and uh, meet Mark and get a picture. Uh, so you come to the show? Definitely, yeah. In yeah. fact, uh, I'm going to run back and get my van. I walked here from my hotel. Oh, right. And then I'm going to get my van and go back up to the gig and then uh, get that. Well, I hope you enjoy the show. I think it should be, should be good fun tonight. Great. Yeah, we're looking forward to it. My, my wife and daughter teased me incessantly. I dragged him up here from Cincinnati. Well, you know, the band is in good form. Oh, good. Well, yeah. So, you know. That's what I hear. Okay. Let me grab Mark. So, please should have an enjoyable evening. Okay, well, thanks for the interview. appreciate yeah. it. Pleasure okay. talking to you. And that was Paul Humphreys of Orchestral Maneuvers in the Dark. And uh, sorry for the audio quality on that. I used my portable digital tape recorder, so it sounded a little bit tinny, but um, I thought that was worth running to you folks. Uh, Mike Travers is a comedian from Pittsburgh, PA. I've known Mike and his brother Bob for almost 30 years now. We used to write comedy together back in the day. That would be the, uh, I guess, mid-80s to late 80s, the very beginning part of the 90s. And uh, in the early 90s, Mike decided to pick up the guitar and learn to play it. And he played in a lot of uh, new wave cover bands, I guess, for a couple of years. Kind of got bored with that and then decided to weld his love of comedy with his newfound musical ability. And since then, he's been performing and writing humorous songs. Uh, not often enough in Pittsburgh, as his brother Bob would attest. Um, Bob will be on the program next week. We are doing a little sketch bit comedy vignette, if you will, about the uh, recent athletic scandals you've been reading about in your Sports Illustrated, uh, the sports page of your local newspaper, perhaps. Uh, In the meantime, though, Mike is going to favor us with a song. This is one of his originals. It is called My Girlfriend. My girlfriend is blind. How can I show her? Show her that I need her every day. My girlfriend is deaf. How can I tell her? Tell her I love her every day. My girlfriend is dyslexic, but she can really dick a suck. She can really hurt me for a long day on My girlfriend has low self-esteem But I told her she's stupid for feeling that way She'd feel better if she lost some weight Or cut that stringy hair My girlfriend is a disease And it's called anorexia But I tell her she looks sexy When I see those ribs 
my girlfriend has put on a little bit of holiday weight And so she's not my girlfriend anymore Mike Travers with his song My Girlfriend wrapping up another episode of PF's Tape Recorder the PF's Tape Recorder logo is designed by Dan Cobell. Follow Dan on Twitter. His handle is TigerDactyl. That is Tiger and then D-A-C-T-Y-L, all one word. I hope that's right. I'm not looking at it, and I didn't write it down. Uh, I'm pretty sure that's it. I was solved out on the podcast today, writing-wise, by Lizzie Hanna and, of course, Mike Travers with his original song, and uh, performed also by Lizzie along with me and, of course, Mike Travers with his song, My Girlfriend. And also thanks to Susie and Scott at Musebox for setting up the OMD interview. Next week, our guest is going to be Carlos Alas Rocky. You probably know him from OG Reno 911 if you're a aficionado of cartoons from the 90s and the aughts, like Fairly Odd Parents. Oh, and Handy Manny, you will know Carlos from those. So download next week. We'll see you then. So there you go, episode two of P.S. Tape Recorder. Um, that was a lot of fun, looking back, wasn't it? So now we're up to the song of the week, and uh, Killers have a new album out called Imploding Mirage, and I was going to go back and uh, May, I think it's actually March, they released the first single, which was Caution, and then now we have the uh, second single came out two months ago, and it is My Own Soul's Warning, which is what we're going to play as our track of the week. And I didn't buy them, though, because... I, I didn't want to buy them, and then you have to go back and buy the album, and then it gets all messed up in the iTunes, and people are like, well, I don't use iTunes, PF, why do I care? I stream my music like a modern person, and good for you. But I'm still not keen on relying on that, and here's why. I'll give you a good example. Uh, Nearly Liza, have you heard on the podcast before. Uh, she's in, into the streaming like the young people are, and one of her favorite artists is actually Drake Bell uh, off of Nickelodeon. And uh, what happens with him, I think it's one or two of his albums uh, will go into Spotify, and then they'll disappear from Spotify. And what we believe is happening is he wrote the album with another guy, and that guy keeps getting mad at him and asking Spotify to pull the album down because he thinks he owns all the rights to the music because Drake Bell didn't pay him for songwriting or something like that. So there's a big tiff there. And what, anyway, essentially what's happening is Drake puts it up, and this other guy asks, asks Spotify to pull it back down, and there's not everything is available on Spotify. So can we stop that? Uh, everything, all music ever is available in there. No, it's not. There's a lot of stuff in there that's not in there. Uh, my friend Gary Lucy made a list one time of like 50 songs that just are not in Spotify at all. To that end... Uh, I like to get my music so I can, you know, uh, actually physically have it. And I don't need, I don't have to have a CD like my friend Pat Francis. If I have a digital copy that's somewhere safe, it's fine. I've got the iTunes backed up in the cloud. I have it backed up locally. So I think I'm in pretty good shape should anything happen. But I like to know that I have it and nobody can take it away from me or make it go away. So anyway... To that end, <laughs> I um, decided to wait just to buy the whole Killers album, which came out uh, last Friday. And uh, I listened to it yesterday. It's pretty good. It's uh, just the Killers of old, like you know them. I'm liking, uh, I like Caution, which is the first single. I like the second song, Blowback, is really good. Um, and the whole the whole thing is, it, it rocks out, man. And I just read that they're going to release another album in 10 months, even though there's some turmoil in the band. Mm, yeah, look that up. So anyway, uh, the current single is My Own Soul's Warning. It is also what we call the power cut in the business. That means it's the first song on the album. Used to have two power cuts back in the day when you had a A-side and a B-side cassette and uh, vinyl. But anyway, My Own Soul's Warning is the power cut. It's the second single. It's The Killers. It's our song of the week on PF's Tape Recorder. So long and thanks for listening. I tried going against my own soul's warning 
Through the clutter of the world